world where every belief is challenged. Where do we go? You are now listening to the Truth of the Matter podcast, where the world is seen through the lens of scriptures, with your host, Jedi Balado. Hello, welcome to the episode 2 of the second season of Truth of the Matter. I'm here again, your host, Jedi. Without further ado, I won't cut it uh, cut it long and I'll introduce to you our co-hosts. Okay, let's go with JV first. Hi, JV. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Reformation Month. Yeah, and happy Reformation Month indeed. Next, we have Nathan. Okay. Hi, guys. Okay, thank you, Nathan. Last, we have Sam. Hey, everyone. Nice to see you all again. Yeah, thank you guys for continued support for those who've been sticking through us for the past two seasons and beyond. Thank you. Also, thank the Lord for His guidance for us and we'll be able to discuss these five solas today. And this session, we'll be discussing sola gratia or grace alone with our wonderful speaker, Kuya Jama. So, take it away, Kuya Jama. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm happy to be here again to talk to you guys about the second sola in in the five solas. And just as a way of introduction and just reorienting ourselves towards this, for those of you who don't know what the five solas are and are, are just joining us for this second um, session, is that the five solas are basically, it was the battle cry of the Reformation, right? These are things that um, were, that the the Protestant Reformation was petitioning for, or these are these are the things that it stood for, and the five solas are uh, really at the core of the Christian faith. Uh, this is what sets us apart as as born again Protestant uh, Christians, right? And and these these doctrines are solo solus sola scriptura, and we talked about how our our faith is. Learn is a revealed faith and revealed in the Bible alone. It is the highest authority. It is the only infallible, sufficient, and um, in, inerrant source of knowledge for salvation and life and faith. And uh, we're saved by grace alone, which is what we're talking about today. We're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Right. So these are these are doctrines that are essential to understand for us as Christians, right? So uh, we're, we're dealing today with the doctrine of sola gratia. And as you, as I might have mentioned already, sola just means alone and gratia meaning grace. And this doctrine teaches that salvation is by grace alone. So what does that mean, right? It, it's something that if you grew up in a Christian church, if you grew up in, in Sunday school and stuff, you might be very familiar with that concept of we're saved by grace or it's God's grace. And it, it, we, hear, we, might, we might hear it so much so that uh, the word loses meaning to us. So I hope that this, uh, this look, this really quick look um, at, at, gra- at salvation through grace alone might help us appreciate and understand what it means that we're saved by grace uh, alone. And that is to say that we who are saved, People who who believe in Christ for salvation, uh, when we think about salvation, we are saved from the wrath of God and are welcomed into his kingdom as children. And we're saved on the grounds of God's gracious act towards mankind to save it. So so we're saved by God's grace and not human effort. This doctrine is standing in contrast 
not with aspects of God's mercy or God's justice, but more of it stands in contrast with uh, God's means of salvation, meaning God initiated, God ordained, God working, God moving, and it is just because He is gracious to us that He would do anything at all to save us. It is that aspect versus man working hard, man trying to to be righteous in the in in God's sight, man trying trying to earn favor with God, and man trying to save himself from God's wrath. And those are the two things. These are these are this is what is competing um, when we talk about this doctrine. So. John MacArthur would say there are basically only two religions, two kinds of religion in the world. Those based on human achievement and those based on divine accomplishment. So if you were to categorize all the different faiths, and, and this might uh, this might trigger a few people, but this is, if you look at the different faiths and different religions in the world, all of them will say in order to get nirvana, in order to get peace, in order to be reincarnated in a better way, or in order to get into heaven, you must do these things. You must be a good person. You must attend certain gatherings. You must adhere to certain laws. You have to memorize certain things. You can't wear uh, pants if you're a girl. And you, you, you definitely can't wear skirts if you're a guy. Um, and, and these are things that they're saying that you must do in order to earn favor with God, in order to be saved, and in order to, to re- be reconciled with God. And so, and if you do all these things, you'll be saved from some form of judgment, or you'll be enlightened, or you'll be, uh, like I said, reincarnated in a better form. And in, uh, that's, that, those are all the religions in other categories. And the, the thing that sets Christianity apart is that uh, Christianity teaches that we're not saved on our own effort, right? So it's not, it's actually not do this, do that. It, we are saved because of God's provided means of salvation. It's not about what we, what we can do for God and how we can earn favor with Him. It's about what God has done for us so that we might be saved from our own sin and God's wrath. So it's, it's, it's about having faith or it's about trusting in God's gracious means of salvation that he has planned and carried out that plan as a way of saving us from his wrath and judgment. So let's take a quick look at, at those two words, sola and gratia. As, I, as I've said, sola means alone. Sola, solus, um, soli. Those are all variations of alone. Uh, and then gratia means grace. And when we think about the word grace, now you might think of like a ballerina, you might think of somebody who's very poised and dignified, and um, that might be your idea of grace or somebody that has like a royal air to them, right? So if, if you're a fan of fantasy, you might know that the king is called your grace, right? So you might have that notion of, of royalty, but grace uh, defined is what it really means is unmerited favor, right? It means that there is favor that you do not deserve that is not based on something that you have done that is not based on something that um you are capable of or it's not based on lineage legacy it's not anything based on it has nothing to do with you and that that's important to to acknowledge that it has nothing to do with you you have you have not merited it you don't deserve it you haven't earned it and when we're talking about unmerited favor, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss further and what that means and when, what, what 
what um, what favor do we merit? Right, that's the question. If if if, if grace is unmerited favor, what's uh, what what um, favor or what affections from the Lord do we deserve? What what do we deserve really from God? And when we're thinking about unmerited favor, there are really two categories, right? There is common grace, and common grace refers to the good that God put in the world. Common grace refers to the sunrise and the warmth of the sun and how it keeps the the ecosystem of the world doing well. And and you know, who who doesn't enjoy a nice bright morning and you wake up naturally and the sun just warms your your skin, right? That's a that's a wonderful thing. The food that grows on the earth is uh, unmerited favor. That is common grace. All people of all kinds experience the sun's warmth. Uh, the food they all reap uh, from the food that bears fruit, and we all benefit from God restraining sin in people's lives. Right. So God works to restrain sinfulness. Uh, the Bible teaches that in the times in his historically, when people have done whatever they wanted without being restrained it was chaos it was uh, not a place that you'd want to live it was what we'd call dystopia or maybe even apocalyptic uh, so we all all people enjoy common grace but when we're talking about salvific grace in in sola in sola gratia we're referring to specifically grace that saves the, god's unmerited favor towards his creation that he would save them Right, so let's understand grace further. Um, we know, it, like, when we say that God is gracious, are we saying that God will turn a blind eye to sin? God is gracious. If we're saved by God's grace, that means people hear that and they say, "Oh, well, um, if you ask anybody on the street who is not a Christian, you ask them, do you think that you're going to go to heaven?" Uh, most people might answer no some that do would say i will go into heaven because god i'm sinful most people admit their sin they'll say i'm sinful but i know that god is gracious or god is merciful right so let's talk about that for a little bit we know that the bible says that god is just god is merciful and god is gracious i want to define those terms so that we can understand what grace means more just refers to justice and when we talk about god's justice this is when somebody gets what they deserve right usually referring to a law so we'll we'll bring that illustration into this if there was a law that said you must pay a fine of a thousand pesos if you break it justice would be you have to pay the full fine right you get what you deserve you have uh, broken a law and the law demands that you have you have to pay 1000 and so justice being dealt out would be you having to pay that fine of 1000 now we know that god is just meaning god cannot just look over sin god can't turn a blind eye to sin and say oh this man is perfectly innocent when in fact they are not so nobody is saved on the basis of god's justice right nobody if if you know that um if you stand before god knowing that you are sinful god's justice will not save you god's justice will condemn you for we're all lawbreakers right so mercy refers to when someone does not get what they deserve or gets less than a than severe judgment mercy in the same illustration would be for the judge to make a ruling that the person can pay the fine over an extended period of time and maybe that other people can help uh, pay for that fine right with no added fee or alleviate the fine 
but still the law must be fulfilled there's still something required of this person now the third aspect grace refers to getting better than what you deserve so if mercy is not having the full severity of the punishment grace is getting more than what you deserve it would be as if the judge looking over this case saying that this man has uh has broken a law now must pay 1000 the judge himself will say i will pay the fine on your behalf and on that in that aspect the law is satisfied the fine is paid and yet it does not come at your cost right and that is how that's a better way to understand grace we're not saved on the basis of god's justice we're not saved on the basis of god's mercy we're saved on the basis that god is a gracious god and he has acted out in this grace to save us so now that we've defined those things and we've kind of explained it a little bit more why is it necessary for us to adhere to this doctrine of sola gratia right why cannot why can man not save himself um why is it that even if you think of the most righteous person you know the kindest person you know and you know there are people who we know that are really just they might not know the lord but they are patient they're kind they do not they don't they don't act out on their evil and and we think surely they surely they might be uh, able to save themselves um well l- we'll look at the what the bible says about that so if you go to your bible you look at romans chapter 3 verse 10 verse 10 to 12 we'll read it out to you um excuse me it says as it is written none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks for god all have turned aside together they have become worthless no one does good not even one uh this is the the doctrine of what they call total depravity this means that uh man is unable to do good within themselves that they cannot choose good it is not in their nature um a, a man could decide to be good and follow the law and be righteous in the same way that a leopard might decide to change the stri- their their spots uh in the same way that the leopard is totally helpless to change the patterns on their body we are totally helpless to change from our sinful ways even our actually i won't i won't get ahead of myself the bible clearly teaches that all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of god we have all broken god's laws and have lived in rebellion towards him uh ephesians 2 verse 1 if you look at it, it says and we are dead in our trespasses and sins can a dead man save himself many people will use this illustration of uh of sinners being saved by the grace of god as uh people who have fallen overboard in the ocean and they are struggling to keep themselves afloat and they are fighting for their lives and the gospel is a, is a is a is a uh life saver right uh salvavida in tagalog i forget what it's called in english but it it's it's basically a, a life saver and these people who are struggling hold on to the gospel and then are saved but this this verse in ephesians illustrates that that sinners people without christ people without god people without the the salvation through the gospel are not like struggling swimmers they are like people who have died and have fallen to the bottom of the ocean you can throw a a lifesaver at them all they want they cannot hold on to it for they are dead 
and unable to do so. Uh, Isaiah 64.6 addresses the elephant in the room that, what about the good people I know who don't have Christ that do good things? Isaiah 64.6 says, we have all become like one who is unclean. Like we're like lepers. We're like, we are inherently unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. When it says a polluted garment, uh, it means that it's referring to a, a menstrual cloth. So I want you to imagine this. If you are, if we, under, if we have a right view of God based on the Bible, sola scriptura, we know that God is holy. God is other than us. God is God's morally perfect. His standard for justice is far higher and far greater than our own. And when we come to him, we are our sin is revealed. Uh, historically, people would say, I, what was, Isaiah himself says, Woe is me, for I am undone. His sins are before him. He knows how sinful he is. And the good works that we have as an effort, as an effort to reconcile with this holy God, it would be as if saying to God, God, I have here all my best works. I have here um, all the good that I've tried to do. And I hope that this is enough to reconcile us. You are my sovereign God and my king. And I want you, and I hope that this is enough for you to forgive me. And when God opens your beautifully wrapped present within it is a menstrual cloth. The best thing that you can offer him is tainted with sin. And so this is the reality. The reality is that our best works are, are unclean before God. We are lawbreakers by nature, and our best and most virtuous deeds are tainted by sin. Uh, another reason why we need... So we, we've established that we're unable uh, to, to save ourselves. We're unable to choose what's right. We're unable to make up for the wrong that we've done. The, the big looming problem now is that sin results in death. Uh, Romans 6.23 says... Uh, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. So the wages of sin is death is actually painting for us an illustration that we are not just victims of sin. We are more like workers of sin. Sin pays a wage, right? So we're workers of sin. We are sinful by nature. We, do, we sin every day, day in, day out. And we will get our justice. It is right for sin to pay us our wage. And the wages of sin is death. Our just reward, what we truly deserve, is death and not a, a mere physical death. Everybody dies. Even Christians die. Even those who are saved by grace through faith die. Um, with the exception of, you know, if Christ returns, then they will be transformed. They won't have to go through death. Just some, some nuance there. But anyway, we all die, right? So not merely a physical death, but a spiritual death. That is eternal separation from the love and forgiveness of God and unending suffering as punishment for sin. That is the spiritual death. It is sin will do its final work in, in, in those who are not saved in that they will suffer eternally and be separated from, from, God, um, from God's grace. So sin is rebellion against the holy and perfect God. And what God says goes. That's actually the that's as simple as, as it can be put. What God says is the law. It must be followed. That's what it means that He is God. He defines goodness and righteousness to go against Him would be you would be deserving of such a fate if you go against God. Uh, 
so we know that we are sinners we're all deserving death and what 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 hope is there for us that the bible offers what that, that still makes sola gratia necessary um we need to be made alive right we need to we need something because it's not it's not we're not able to do this in and of ourselves we need something apart from us to work in us in order to make us right with god and so jesus at, jesus says in john 3 talking to nicodemus a pharisee a teacher who uh, who asked him you know how how might i be saved and he says jesus answered him truly truly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god what do we have to do to be saved we, we got to be born again nicodemus who was a pharisee who was a teacher who knows the word uh, did not understand this teaching and he saw the struggle though he understood the the implications of what jesus was saying because he says can i enter my mom's womb again is it possible can i just go back into my mom's womb as a grown person and then you know, be born again is that what you're talking about jesus like literally be born again of course not this is talking about a spiritual birth being born again by being made alive by god ezekiel 36 26 illustrates this he testifies to god's work god what god will do he says uh, god says and i will give you a new heart and the new spirit i will put within you i will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh uh, not a hard heart not a heart that's hardened to god's law but a heart that is beating and alive a heart that is not just decorative a heart that is in a in its in its in its truest sense a, a living heart so this is what we're relying on god we need god to do this to us we need to receive the new birth we need the new heart and since we can't do it on our own works the two problems that i was explaining at the beginning of how how then can man ever earn favor with god given these things that the bible has proclaimed certainly we must be saved by grace alone and that's what it says in the bible in ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 5 but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, it says. So not only do we see here that we're dead in our sins, but we see that God has made us alive. This is the second birth. It is by God's grace that we are saved. It's, it's not by the clamor and cries of the people for God to save us and God begrudgingly accommodating our request, right? So it's not even because you all prayed so much that God finally sent Jesus. God, out of his graciousness, God in his love for his people, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever shall believe in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And it is, it is only by God's work, not human achievement, that this is possible. Uh, Ephesians uh, 2, 8-10, we'll read, for by, for by grace you have been saved through faith. We'll talk about next week how grace and faith, how grace is uh, the grounds by which we are saved. We are saved because God is gracious towards us and God has acted out in graciousness to save us. And how has he saved us? Through faith. You're saved by grace, through faith. I should be there. By grace, through faith. Um, 
We are saved by grace through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I want you to notice the repetition here. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's made clear twice, but it's not because of man. It's not man-made effort. It's not by sheer act of the will that we save ourselves, but it is by the grace of God. We cannot boast in our own efforts. We will not rely on our own righteousness to be right with God. We must rely wholly and completely on the grace of God for our salvation. So as, as we reach the end of this, um, just some things to reflect on. What, what are the implications of sola gratia? And one is one implication is that we no longer need to work to earn favor with God. Excuse me. Meaning, we are not obeying the law so that we might be saved. The Ten Commandments, the moral law of God, we are not obeying the law that God written and that God wrote in our hearts so that we might be made right with God. But we are obeying the law now because our affections have changed, because we have a new heart and we delight in God's law. Uh, that any true Christian will will agree and adhere that God's law is better than sin. It it, it is that's just how it is. And so we we no longer work to earn favor with God. We work for the glory of God. Uh, we, we don't need to, we don't have to attain some level of holiness before we're accepted by God. Isn't that liberating? I hope, uh, brother or sister, if you're listening to this and you feel as if um, you need to you know, go to more Bible studies and you need to, to go to church more to be sure that you're saved, you just need Christ. You need faith. And the Lord and Savior Jesus, do you need to know that He died on your behalf, and that you have been made new in the gospel, and that He He is the reason for your acceptance? It's His It's His work on the cross and His death on the cross um, that that gives you now this new life and this righteousness before God. God sees us in Christ, and since Christ obeyed the law perfectly, we are accepted. As Christ is accepted, right? So, um, no matter how perfectly we fulfill God's law, we cannot be made right with God based on our works. That's one implication. The second implication, or I think that, that that's more than an implication, of course. Uh, one other implication is that we do not have to fear our status with God based on our works. It's true that a person is saved by great by God. Uh, that a person who is saved by God will not abuse God's grace and use it as an excuse to sin. We are called to be holy as God is holy, and we are now able through the new birth to not only follow God's law, but delight in it. But that being said, as Christians saved by grace, we know that since we are not saved and accepted on our own merit, our standing before God does not change even when we fall into great sin. That is an encouragement to you, uh, my friend. If you have, if you find yourself in great sin today, and you are a Christian, you have faith that you will be saved, not based on your life or your work in in this life, but based on what Christ has accomplished in His life, death, and resurrection. Then God does not, you're not less saved right now, even if you have committed this great sin. You need to repent, and you need to to 
to renew your your passion and following Christ, you need to turn away from your sin. You need to cling closely to the truths of the gospel, and you must turn away from the sinful ways and and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But even when you do that, you are not more saved. Your joy will be diminished when you fall into sin. Your intimacy will suffer. But we are no less loved by God when we fall into sin because we are loved by God on the basis of Christ and His work. And three, lastly, I believe that as Christians saved by grace, we should be gracious to others. We should have a a posture of graciousness because we have understood the great grace of God. If I can just share with you guys uh, just one of the observations i think that you know um many non-christians many people the nice people that i'm talking about um it is it's easy to think that you know we're not so different you know christians and non-christians and stuff but the difference is seen when you talk about these matters of grace and matters of mercy and matters of kindness and charity and love um man-made love or love apart from the gospel grace apart from the gospel is a very cheap grace it's just when you don't do what's expected of you like when somebody says when somebody persecutes you or falsely accuses you of something or uh has a foul offense towards you you know alam mo yung mahirap na foul talaga pare foul yun tapos when um when we don't act in violence they say oh you're so gracious you're so kind but we know that that is not grace not compared to the gospel at least um grace would might even go as far as to say this person who is hurting me is probably very hurt my my needs are met in the gospel of jesus christ god has been more gracious to me then i could ever be gracious to anybody else so the least that i can do is try to show the grace of god to this person as i patiently engage with them as i lovingly do my best to to understand where they are coming from and to try to reconcile with them to try to love your enemies as the bible says right so um i think that this these are one of the things that that we we should see more of as as Christians because um Christians that are strong in the faith feel very strongly about what is right and what is what is wrong and when they see something that is wrong being done maybe even by a Christian brother or sister we are quick to condemn and we are quick to say don't you know that that's wrong and we are we are quick to 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 beat them with the law uh but but our and while we should rebuke while we should correct we should do so in a in a spirit of graciousness uh, especially when we correct brothers and sisters in Christ we must remind them that they are saved by the gospel and that we must reflect to them the grace of god as we deal with them in their sin so that we don't lead them to despair but instead we we point them to the grace that is re- received and seen in the gospel of jesus christ Uh so that is the end of our our quick study of sola gratia we're saved by grace alone and next week we're going to be talking about how we're saved through faith alone Thank you very much Jama for that exposition on sola gratia and 
I'd like to ask a few questions lang ano kuya. For those who just have a quick overview and saw our YouTube video, we have these chapters so you can just quickly skim over what question you want to pick. So again, Sam, take it away. Okay, so first of all, thank you again for that wonderful talk. I'm sure the viewers are enjoying every second of this new series we're doing. Um, let's go straight into our questions. Okay, this little Q&A we have, let's start with Nathan. Nathan, do you want to ask you a a question? Okay, thanks, Sam. So I, the first question I want to ask is, what is the significance of Sola Gratia in the Gospel? Hmm, right. Um, well, this, that's kind of a, it's a very, you can't really take Sola Gratia out of the Gospel, right? Because the Gospel is that, that's the Gospel. The Gospel is that God is holy, righteous, and perfect, and God has made people in His image, and these people have rebelled and have sinned against God, and what is deserving of them is wrath and judgment and condemnation. And the gospel, the good news of the gospel is that this God whom we have wronged, whom we have rebelled against, uh, expresses love and mercy, forgiveness towards us because he is gracious and he has decided to save his fallen creation. So to take sola gratia or to take salvation by grace away from the gospel would be to change the gospel completely, right? So it, it is no longer, if without grace, then on what basis does God save us, right? Um, without that essence of God being a gracious God, without God acting, um, we would we would have a different gospel, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I think that just to address a little bit, I think that the, the question is also asking, um, what if we don't believe that salvation is by grace and we believe that salvation is by works, right? So what if we believe, like, what if it's Christ plus works? And again, the answer is still the same. It's a totally different gospel. Uh, it's simply not what the Bible teaches. So if you take away sola gratia, you need to take out sola scriptura. And if you take out sola scriptura and sola gratia, then you lose sola fide because you're not just saved by faith; you're saved by works also because you know you don't have grace. And then you're you're maybe you can even maybe you keep solus Christus, but um, and then soli dea gloria. It's not really your not God's glory alone. It's uh, also your glory because you did so much good work, right? <laughs> uh, so that sorry, that's my kind of long explanation of like that. That's the significance of sola gratia. It, it is it is the gospel. It's the grace. It gets the grace of God for salvation. Right. Korea. Right. So you really can't have one without the other. Otherwise, it becomes a different gospel. Thank you. Right. Jamma. That's right. Uh, let's go over to JV. JV, would you like to ask you, Jamma? Um. Thank you very much, Martina. Thank you, Pokoya Jamma, for that wonderful session. I really learned a lot. Um. My question, po. Um. You said um we are unable to choose what is right. And that it has nothing to do with us, like how God gives grace. But what about those people po, who believes that we can accept, we have the will to accept or to reject God's grace? Like God has already did everything na po, and it's up to us to accept or reject Him. But what you've said po, is that we are unable to choose what is right and it's, it has nothing to do with us. Okay, right. So this is kind of getting, that's a good question. Thanks, JV. Um, this is kind of getting into, I'm going to be very careful with this question, right? Because to be Pelagian, there's a there's a doctrine called Pelagianism, right? That And Pelagianism teaches that um, man can inherently choose. We're not helpless. 
right? And that's the doctrine of like um, you, you can choose uh, whatever and 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 whatnot. Uh, and then there's also Arminianism, right? Uh, and Arminianism. I'm not an Arminian, so I'm sorry to the Arminians that are listening to this if I misrepresent your position. It's not my intention. But um, the how the Arminians I know would present this would be that, well, man is inherently unable to choose, but then there's something called prevenient grace that like God gives them this grace now. So it is still by grace alone. The, the Arminian would still say, yeah, sola gratia, for sure. Um, and then they would say that they're able to choose because of this prevenient grace. So the question that you're asking is actually dealing about the, both those things, right? It says, um, what what about those people who say that man can choose? And in, in that category, there are the Pelagians and then there are Minions, right? Um, I would say that it's a very it's a very dangerous way of thinking, right? Because it's against what the Bible teaches. That's why I think it's dangerous. So I'm not saying it's dangerous because I'm, uh, I'm a Calvinist or anything like that or Reformed uh, Baptist in my theology or anything. It's just really that I think that it's plain to see in the Bible that um, man cannot choose for himself what is righteous and what is good, and because of that, I would, I would, I would disagree with them. But then I would ask, right? It depends. Are you being Pelagian right now, saying that man can save themselves inherently, and that's what Pelagianism leads to? Man can save himself, right? Um, and or are you being an Ar- Arminian brother, and just we're just you know having differences as to. What kind of grace saves us is, you know, prevenient grace or whatever. And that changes the whole thing. Because with one, I'm trying to get the gospel to this person, to the Pelagian, who, who does not, who, who thinks that they need to work for their salvation still. And the other one, um, I, I, I'm, I'm talking to a brother and sister in Christ. And it, it might not necessarily, it's not a deal breaker. It's not like, oh, you're not a Christian because you believe in prevenient grace and stuff. So, I just wanted to answer that question in a more nuanced way because, um, you know, the hate between the Calvinists and the Arminianists have, Arminians have to stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that that's my answer, JP. I hope that that's helpful. Yeah, I think that's totally helpful, Professor Shama. Thank you for the clarification between the two. Praise God. Right. Thank you for clearing that out. I'm sure it helped a lot of other people as well. Um, with that, let's move over to Jedi. Yes, Kajama. For my question, as Christians, how can we reflect God's grace in our lives? So this is in a more practical sense. So in our, when we are tested, how can we reflect God's grace? I love that question. That's a good question, Jerry. Thank you. Um, I want to start with you can't reflect what you don't know, what you don't got. Right? It's like you can't give what you don't have, right? So... Um, when we're thinking about practical ways of doing this, you know, it's very easy. You can say, be patient, be loving, be kind, go out of your way, um, show unmerited favor to other people to use the technical terms that I'm using, um, be kind to the poor. Th- these are all ways that we can share God's grace, right? Because we're reflecting His His nature to other people. Um, so unmerited favor in the sense that, um, actually, it's important in the Philippines because, uh, forgive me, I'll speak a little Taglish or uh, Tagalog. Is that medyo classes tayo, di ba? Like yung kapag nakita natin na, oh, ito katulong, or ito driver, or even ito karigador, uh, uh, or somebody who works in a, in a karinderia. There's this something inherent in, in some people that see them as lower, right? 
And I think that graciousness, unmerited favor, is na show unmerited favor to all people. Treat them all as made in the image of God. So the highest thing is that they are made in the image of God. Class and and social class and whatever that that comes that 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 shouldn't even factor into it so much, you know. Except yeah. So um, I think that that's one really practical way to 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 see that to just be able to to treat people. As made in the image of God, and to to treat them with uh, with this with not as they deserve, because you have not been dealt with as you deserve to be dealt with. But underlying that, how do you do that? I'm not gonna say, oh, you need to meditate five minutes a day to be more patient. You need to count one to five when you're being tested. I'm gonna say, you need to really read your Bible. And when I say read your Bible, I mean you have to look through the passages that say um, that tell us to be gracious. And the passages that explain how God has been gracious to us, because when you understand how God has been gracious to you, how patient He is with you, how loving He is to you, how quickly He forgives, how He forgives, it's not like uh, oh I forgave you pero I remember that. Huh? Yung hindi yung ganon. Talagang forgiven ka talaga as if hindi mo ginawa yung ginawa mo. Hindi na hindered yung relationship niyo. Um, and you need to understand that so that you can be that way to other people. Anything else would be a superficial grace. Anything else would be a man-made grace, and that does not reflect the grace of God. Thank you, Kijama. Okay, Sam. Thank you so much, Kijama. Okay, um, it brings us to our last question, um, and this is for those right you mentioned earlier. Some people see salvation as a license to sin. So the question is, how do we as Christians um, prevent ourselves from falling into antinomianism? It's super. That's a big question. Super tempted to just say read your Bible again, um, but I'm not gonna. Um, yeah, I think that you know, for people who, when you say that you're engaging with people, and they say that grace is a reason not to sin, you have to ask, what's your goal in life? What are you trying to do? Right. Um, that's the heart of the issue. There are some people who say. Who are saved, and I will say that they are saved, right? They like this is in God's sight, they're saved. Let's say, for example, and you see, there there are two kinds of people. The the there's one kind that'll say, you know, how much sin can I keep in my life? That's a struggle. I think that's a, that's a real struggle, and, and I I don't think that you're not saved because you ask yourself that question. I think that uh, it's really unhealthy to stay in that mindset. And the other the other mindset would be. Um, How how much sin can I get rid of? And that's that's really it. That's that's the better question, right? Um, one pastor told me before, uh, there are no Christians more saved than others, but there are some that are more yielded to Christ, right? And so you gotta ask, you gotta ask yourself. And then there are others that are not saved, who like Christianity because of this this misunderstanding of sola gratia misunderstanding of how you're not saved on your own works and your own merit and they say great now i can sin all the more right so the goal of the christian any christian any of those two categories that i was t- talking about their goal should be to live for the glory of god their highest delight if they understand truly what what salvation is it's the you know saving from god's wrath it is also reconciliation with god Like God is the 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 perfect God is a perfect being, right? And so when you're reconciled with a perfect being, it would kind of be illogical and nonsensical to not pursue a deeper relationship with a perfect being. Like you don't know what you're missing, 
all right like um if you think somebody's crazy for not liking sushi if you really like sushi um you'd think that they're crazy for not not loving god and not wanting to know more of god so that's the christian's main goal to glorify god and enjoy him forever the unbeliever's main goal is to have what we call moralistic therapeutic deism and that means they want from the religion to feel good about themselves to be moral uh no sorry to yeah to to, to do what's good uh, to be moral people to feel good while they're doing it to be to have therapy it's therapeutic and to have some form of god that'll affirm them right and so that's that's where the deism comes in and that's the person that says oh i can sin because of god's grace if you say that you can sin because of God's grace, then you really need to be careful because that shows that you don't have an understanding of what sin is. You don't see sin as something evil. You see something, sin as something good in your life. Um, you also have a misunderstanding of what God's grace is because you abuse it. Um, and you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what Christianity is about. Right? So that that's the difficulty, right? And I'm not, uh, again, like... Uh, this is an assessment like this is me giving an assessment as like a doctor would right i'm not trying to say that these are bad people i'm not trying to say that they're you know um uh, anything it's just that this is the, my assessment based on how that conversation is going is that it seems like what you're more concerned about is have keeping sin rather than following christ so does that, does that make sense Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Fiyajama, um, for answering all our questions. I know we have a lot more, and you know we look forward to our next episodes where you'll have more than answered. Okay, so with that, I'm going to pass it back to Jetty for the little outro. It's okay. Wow, our sessions are becoming more and more back to God's Word, and that's what we really desire to and for all of those who have stuck around till the end, we really appreciate you and we would like to appreciate you even more if you would please share, like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, also to our Facebook page, By God's Grace, hopefully our channel and our advocacy, not advocacy, but really our cause of sharing God's word more and uplifting him more will grow in his will and in his time. So thank you so much, Kijama, my co-host JV, Sam, and Nathan for attending this wonderful session and we'd like to god bless all of you and bye bye thank you bye guys